Hello and welcome to a special National Walking Month bonus edition of Walk to Wellbeing, the wellness podcast from Health and Wellbeing magazine, sponsored by Sketches. I'm Danny from Health and Wellbeing, and each episode, you and I get to join someone as they go for a walk, eavesdropping on them as they talk about their own wellness journey. Each of our guests will answer the same questions, but the conversation, like their walk, might meander a bit as they go. After we leave them, I'll be joined by Cami from our learning and development team, plus for the first time on this podcast, our usually silent producer, Chris, to pick out the things from that walk that we want to put into action right away in our lives. Think about your answers to each question as you listen too. And if you'd like to record your own walk to wellbeing, you absolutely can. We'd love to hear your answers. So head over to healthwellbeing.com to download the questions today. Right now, though, for this bonus episode for season two, we're going to join Health and Wellbeing's own chief executive, Rebecca Miskin, getting to know her right alongside you as she goes for a walk in, for her, an unfamiliar part of London. Okay, so I'm heading out. I've got to take my lunch plate down the stairs because I've been on back-to-back calls and now I've got the great excitement of actually going outside. Fill up my water bottle with water. It's a warm day. Right, here it goes. Bye-bye house. I'm bizarrely not at my home at the moment because I'm having some work done to the flat and so where to walk? Hmm. Maybe I go left. Right. So here starts the adventure. Now, what gets you out on a walk? Well, I don't need much convincing. I love being outdoors, and most of what I do outdoors is walking. So I'm based in London, and therefore a lot of my walks are to the train or to the tube, or looking at the most amazing architecture, or sometimes, sadly, passing some of the homeless people who have had a turn for the worse and have ended up in a situation which you know, plagues me at night because we shouldn't be in a society with homeless people on the streets. But what gets me out on a walk? I think sunshine. But I think I'll go out for a walk in any weather, day or night, sunshine raining. Uh, I grew up in the countryside, in the mountains in Italy, actually. And we had there were, there, were very, there were only very occasional buses. And so you had to walk along the lakes and the cornfields quite a lot to get to places. All social activity was, was um, on your bike or you walked there. So I guess I got used to walking. I probably had a 
one or two kilometers a day to get to my bus stop to go to school and back and I think it's always been part of my or something quite joyful it's a time to process so what gets me out on a walk I think I try and do meetings which are walk and talk I try and get outside as much as possible and ideally walking I'm not very good at cycling in the city uh, I'm probably not very good at cycling anyway but people sunshine nature beauty think about the time of day so we're in a period where we're emerging from lockdown and in lockdown I try to get up extra early because we constantly had I was I was an interminable calls with and and so I needed to get some I needed to get some daylight and the only way was to get out and about and so I'd get up early and I'd wandered near my home and we had you know what was brilliant was you could hear the bird song because there were no cars and that reminded me of my my childhood but you know I'd, I'd grab I'd get a coffee in a thermos from home and I'd go and find a bench or I'd go into some of the gardens or the park nearby and it was idyllic absolutely idyllic and and I, that became a bit of a habit and then I would start the working day at 8 30 or 9 and where possible I would try and have calls where I could still go out walking so I'm currently passing lots of London buses and it's clearly rubbish collection day as well. Um, lots of people doing house refurbishments because I can see lots of workmen around and I think the schools have just broken up. And what I love about London walks is the multi multiculturalism and integration and inclusion which is quite wonderful. So anything can get me to get out on a walk. I don't need persuading. I don't need a map. I don't need a time. I'm always happy to get out. Where is my dream walk? Uh, I think I enjoy all my walks bit of a, a cop-out in many ways but I think it's such a lovely activity and you can you know you can travel walking allows me to travel as in geographically but it also allows me to travel inside process something that's been noodling away in my subconscious or something that I'm unhappy with or trying to see how I could have responded better to something or how I can help solve something. Um, so dream walks tend to be either you know the external ones, so outside I always feel free of responsibility, which is quite which is just a beautiful sense. I feel like a bird. But my dream walk would be, I suppose, the coastal paths in West Wales. 
So my parents are Welsh. I don't say I'm Welsh because I've never lived there. But my parents are very definitely have the Welsh yearning, although they've traveled a lot and lived in different places. And so we always go to the coastal paths in Pembrokeshire. There's, um, there's the lily ponds in Botcheston, which are quite beautiful. And you go, you go on these wooden bridges across, across some of the ponds. And, and then you've just got, you know, clearly in, in June, you've got the, the lilies. And then you go through fields and beautiful vegetation. And then you come to the beginnings of some extraordinary beaches, white sand, huge, no people, maybe someone walking a dog. So, and, and whatever the weather, I'm so happy doing that. So there's, I think there's Bosherson, there's St. Govans, uh, there's the Blue Lagoon in Pembrokeshire. But the lovely thing about those walks is that they have little puffin buses. So wherever you walk to, you can then go onto the, the main road nearby and it can take you back. So you don't have to do a sort of U-turn at some point or other. You don't, you don't have to look for circular walks. Yes, I've just arrived in a park. Who knew? So I think to my left, I've got a playground. It might be a bit loud. I don't want them to get scared of me because I'm speaking on my own into a microphone. Uh, but it looks very green. I'm pleased I don't have hay fever because I think this would be a trigger, this park. Oh, we've got some people playing. Ooh, what are they playing? Rugby, but without rugby posts. Okay. Oh, I might get an ice cream. So, uh, coastal paths in West Wales would be Wandering Walk. Um, I grew up in Italy in the Alps and I really miss the Alps. And I think we, when we left, we bought a very unsexy little place halfway up a mountain in Switzerland, just across the border. And it is a totally dysfunctional village, but it's our dysfunctional. And it's totally uncool, and it doesn't have great skiing, but it has amazing walking. And so there's walks there where you can get the cable car up and just walk and walk and stay in refuges. Or um, just across the valley, there's a place called Grimentz, which is like those picture postcards of Swiss villages. You know, imagine your little chocolate box, you know, wooden houses on stilts um, with sort of geraniums as far as the eye can see and bright red and, and just these extraordinary landscapes and mountains at three, 4,000 meters high with, you know, snow capped. And then you look down to the, to the valley with other little picturesque um, villages and then you can walk from the from um, Grimentz up to the dam which is the Moari dam and there's a glacier there and you can be in a t-shirt and shorts and walking shoes and walk up into the snow and it's really hot in the summer because it's closed in the winter months it's really hot in the summer and I know the, the, just the weight of the city and 
troubles and responsibilities just fall away. It's as though, so I feel like a pressure cooker where someone's pressed, pressed the button and everything is lifted off and it's gorgeous. I've just arrived at a mini golf putt in the park. Mini golf and pizzeria. There's a combo. And then there's a cyclist. I'll just keep going. Don't quite know where I'm going. Um, oh, it looks lovely. Might come back for an ice cream. Uh, so Grimentz and the Moiré Dam, and then and then there's a little refuge right at the top, and it's a walk I've never quite had the courage to to go right to the top to the to the refuge because it's very steep and it's it. I don't think it requires crampons, but it's. I'm often. I'm often going to these places with my parents and I leave my parents at the, at the reservoir and at the beautiful sort of turquoise coloured um, reservoir and, and then start climbing up and I probably have a, a sort of two to three hour window to then go back because I'm at about two and a half thousand metres at this point. And so I, I then try and do whatever walking I can whilst knowing that I need to get back and and, and drive sort of back to our little, our little home. And, um, and so I'm on my own and, and, and that, I, I wouldn't probably take the risk and I'm a bit nervous because it's quite sheer. I would do it with someone, but quite often when I go there, I'm there because I'm trying to spend time with my parents. And so if I went, if I took, you know, Pilly, my partner or, um, or friends, uh, I'd, I'd possibly, you know, not be as present for my parents, and they're the priority quite often when I go there. So uh, that would be another dream walk. And then I think there's parts of the Camino de Santiago in Galicia, which are quite beautiful, quite rural, very authentic. So you see. You know, we've got people cutting grass and farmers working hard and, and you pass a lot of people doing, you know, manual labour and, and, you know, in quite intense sunshine. And again, cornfields and little paths and it, it weaves in and out of, from inland back to the, to the coast. So this is the, the piece of Spain which is just above Portugal, the sort of blob on just above Portugal if you, if you went north from Portugal. And it is, it is quite gorgeous. So that would be another beautiful walk. Um, it's in Spain, but everyone speaks Gallego, they don't speak Spanish. And that's another one where it's not very urban and it is quite beautiful. And the, the landscape is undulating hills and farmland with these beautiful old stone houses. And invariably I get stared at because everyone knows everyone because everyone is related. They're all cousins from village to village to village. Or you've got the Pellegrinos who are the walkers and they all get stared at. Um, and so I'm very obviously, uh, I don't have dark curly hair and a dark complexion and therefore I stand out as 
a Pellegrino. So those would be my dream walks because they're ones I know and love and I love the people I go there with. And I know the feelings these give me when I go walking there. Oh, there's another school out playground. Actually, it's a really lovely design building right next. Is that the school? It's good to see investment going into education and environment. I'm going to go over to see what's at the fence. Lovely. I have no idea what sport it is, but it's boys and girls playing together. Happy, active, sunny day. Lovely. Right. What does switching off? What does switching off look like to me? So I suppose I should say no phone. But actually, I can switch off with my phone. I just need to switch the data off for my work email and for certain things. And so switching off for me. Well, this is it. I'm not in a meeting. I've got these huge oak trees. I'm in the shade of these huge oak trees. Uh, children's play in the background. There was some bird song, but I can see the birds, but I can't hear them right now. Maybe we scared them off. There's people on their bicycles, people sitting on benches. It's a, one of those warm spring days. Cloudy, but okay. I can hear a plane in the background. Um, so I suppose Switching off for me is being outside um, and, and it's probably not being in a forest. It is about seeing the sky. I think that's one of the learnings in lockdown, which is I realised how much I needed the sky. I was in so much and I needed to walk in the middle of the road. Not recommended, but um, because I just loved seeing sky. I didn't need to be in the sun or in the shade, I just needed to see the sky and I felt free when I could see the sky. Um, switching off, playing tennis. I don't want to play points but I just love hitting the ball. I get rid of all my frustrations hitting that ball. And I try and do it every week. It kept me on the straight and narrow when I was a kid playing against... Um, I lived... At one point I lived in a block of flats and uh, later on and we, had, we had this building which I think was, was the heating system for various sort of buildings in the surrounding area and it kicked out soot so you couldn't park near it. So it meant that there were no cars around and it was tarmac and I would just hit the ball for hours against, against the wall. And I still do that now, I just do it with people. And it doesn't matter about whether the ball goes in or out, but I do feel so much more liberated at the end of it. Uh, before going to bed, I try and switch off with Cordle, which is, of course, the craze that is Wordle, but, but there's four of them. And so it just becomes that much more fun. 
because you have, I suppose, a higher probability of succeeding, or maybe a lower one, I don't know, but it's, I enjoy Quaddle. I enjoy, I think I was, I was with my parents this last weekend, and I'm terrible at crosswords, and my mum is much better than me, but just sitting and doing the newspaper crossword with my mum is just a lovely sense, enjoying each other's silences as well as being slightly competitive with her, always like getting more words than me. Um, and then there was a time when I came back and the, the moonlight looked, looked amazing on, this, on the sea, because my parents have just moved, or moved a couple of years ago, to the south coast in Hove. And we, we'd just come back from a meal out and the, the curtains were, weren't drawn, or the blinds weren't down, and there was this amazing just this amazing moonlight on the sea. So um, went out to have a look at it and Dad, Dad came with and it was just this wonderful moment of, I suppose, enjoying the moonlight in silence, arm in arm with my dad. Um, but switching off can take many forms, I think. Yeah, I'm outside now, I feel. I feel I've switched off, playing with my godchildren, holding Pilly's hand, all of it. I think the switching off is something that we learn to get better at as we get older. What's my next challenge? Who's really nailing their well-being in your life? Ooh. So I have a, a Scottish friend who I met when, when, I, when I lived in, in the States and she really lives and works, I suppose, by her values and she's currently set up a pro bono arm and um, corporate <coughs> social responsibility and, and all sorts of amazing things at work and constantly, I suppose, making me a better person. But she's very good at looking after her physical being, her the mental side, and spends time studying and learning and self-improving, and, and has this lovely peace about her. That when you're in her company, you always feel that, or I always feel that I'm going to either learn something, um, well, I do feel I'm going to learn something and I, I feel much calmer because she is calm. And, and she also uses a lot of warmth. So maybe she's someone who I think is nailing her well-being. I think Emma would be another friend who I think does that. She, she had a very hectic life as a, as a barrister with these nail-biting court cases, you know, criminal court cases, and, and she had no life. And she, from one day to the next, threw in what was an exceptionally successful career and went back to training and going to university and doing a master's and, and putting that same discipline and talent and harnessing it into conservation for, uh, 
for Getty and conservation uh, for Getty, the Getty, Getty archive in terms of photography and preserving, you know, moments of history that, you know, if they get lost because of photos which have had too much sunlight on them or been, had a spillage or been torn, if they get lost, there is no other image of that that was captured on that moment. So from Queen Victoria to, to all sorts, but the way in which she leads her life and has embraced financial changes and work changes and personal changes um, is an inspiration. And she's also got the loveliest fluffy cairn called Otto. And I think Otto, Otto the dog really, lovely hound, um, has an amazing well-being. I'm probably not allowed to say animals, but I love both Otto and Emma. So when I'm feeling stressed, when you're feeling stressed, how do you combat your triggers? Oh, I suppose the starting point is I can probably do a lot better at combating my triggers. So I'm back to the rugby ball now. These kids playing rugby. Oh, and there's floodlight, floodlights as well, so they can play at night. Um, how do I combat my triggers? Well, I do walk. I go outdoors. I think that is a, that is a common thread. When I am stressed, I need nature, and I need outdoors, and I need sky. I even need green. When I, I've travelled a lot. I've been very lucky. I've lived in all sorts of places, and I, I was at university um, for a year in Venice, and I found myself every few weeks having to go leave one of the most beautiful cities in the world, Venice, uh, and go inland in Italy to go and walk in a park and see trees and see green. And I didn't realize, I think, until then, how much I love nature. And Venice is an absolutely stunning, stunning city. But it was extraordinary that I still needed the magic of, of trees and green and parks and, and just hills. Uh, so I think I walk, but when I'm feeling stressed, I also have to understand why I'm going to sit down and drink some water, why I'm feeling stressed. Sometimes it's a person. I think people stress me more than anything else. I don't like conflict, but I, I've learned to manage it. I like trying to take away the, the I, like, I like trying to build bridges between people who think differently or try and dissipate a fight. Can you say that, dissipate? Maybe not. Tension, anyway. Um, so I think I try and understand the other person's point of view. I try and understand if I weren't in my shoes, what are the best ways of solving this? And, and actually, who could, whose perspective would best help to get us to the outcome that we want to get to? Uh, I don't have all the solutions. Um, 
I think it is, I think life is about finding, you know, who is brilliant at what and, and playing to people's strengths. And so if I can, if I can, if I can unpick what I think is stressing me, then I can help solve it. And, and that always then feels like a really lovely release. And breathing. I'm not into yoga. I think yoga to me is a bit like the dentist. I really don't enjoy it. I know I should, but I don't. And so I, but breathing sometimes and counting to 10, that old, that old myth maybe, but it does, it does work a bit. But I also know I get to a point when I just need a break and I need time out. And it's knowing when I reach that, I tend to lose a bit of tolerance. You know, the run up to getting stress is, I'm a bit more short, I have a bit less tolerance. And when I start noticing that, I know I need to be careful with my own behavior. And I need to probably be more inclusive than previously because others have solutions that I don't. And others can think things through in a way that maybe I can't. So when was the last time I challenged myself to do something different? Um, well, I'd say this is one. I think this is the first time that I've gone for a walk and a podcast. So I think this is, this is probably one thing. I think I'm very fortunate. I have a, a work life which poses new challenges every day. And the solutions are different. So, and I always vow that I'm going to go for something I know really well next time round because it will be easier and it will be less stressful. But there must be a part of me that, that enjoys the constant set of new challenges. I also like, I love seeing people develop. So it, I can sometimes hang on to their coattails and discover things through their eyes or learn, learn through them. But this podcast is probably something new. Um, they're redoing the floors at my house at the moment. I had my, I had, I had some work done to the flat, and they, um, they sanded the floors and made a botch job. So they're redoing them. So I'm, I'm sort of homeless for two days whilst they resand and put the, put the polish down. So I'm staying at Pili's sister's house, and she's had enough of us for the last few months because we've been there for a while as Project Creek came into our home our home developments. Um, and in fact, our home was designed by two friends of mine, two friends of ours who are architects. And I feel now when I go home that it's, it's kind of a little love nest because it's their love of us that's been put into our home through design. And when we first thought about it, I thought, ooh, do we, do we work with friends and loved ones? So that was maybe another challenge. Also in budget season at the moment, so we're trying to do a budget. So we're challenged every day in terms of who does what and how to do it and how to deliver for our customers and how to deliver for people I work with and for our shareholders.
I think I, it would be nice to have maybe a couple of days not challenged. Question seven. When's the last time I cried? So my dad was unwell recently. Um, and watching someone who's very healthy and walked, walked maybe five, 10 kilometers a day and, and then suddenly lost his good health and watching that deterioration and seeing someone in pain and seeing someone, you know, someone I loved being, I suppose, so brave and, and gracious, uh, despite the odds. And I, I, did, I did cry, but I cried both for dad, for, for me, but also watching my mother who, when the chips are down, my mother is an exceptional individual. She, she just, when the chips are down, mum is there. And she was steering us all through it stoically um, with grace. And, and yet it was probably worse for mum than it was for me. And, and I cried, I cried a lot. I cried for me, I cried for mum, I cried for dad, I cried because I was angry, because I was sad. Um, on a more light-hearted note, I cry in pre pretty much every movie. I'm useless. I cry in sport, I get excited when, the, when someone I support. I love watching tennis, I love skiing, I enjoy watching football. I cry regularly. Actually, I'm, I'm quite useless, really. What's one recent little win that you're happy with? Recent win. Well, the botched up floors in my home that where I think it was the, I think it was the way in which they, they, they put the, um, the floors themselves were lovely, but they put a finish on it, which I don't think they applied it right. And so it gave, it gave a, a look of needing to be, to be washed and cleaned. And, and swept up, it looked dusty. And, um, and I, I kept trying to accept it. And then I just thought, no, and so we've tackled it. And although, you know, Pili and I are homeless for two days, um, it does mean that the floor is being solved. And I, I, I peeked in last night to have a look and the floor looked amazing. So I think that was a little win. I also, by staying with Pili's sister, as I was on a call earlier, lunch got delivered. I didn't do anything to deserve that, but lunch, as I was on sort of calls, one after the other, um, Pat came in with, with just this lovely lunch. And that was a win. But a win, I suppose, that is maybe a bit more meaningful was, I was talking to our, our chairman one evening. This is thanks to, I think, um, the person who heads up talent development asking about what we were doing in Ukraine and so I spoke to our chairman and he spoke to the trust the next day and then the chairman of the trust phoned me and to cut a long story short after about a week we had a scheme in place for everybody if anyone wanted to take in Ukrainian refugees or, uh, or refugees generally um, 
we had a scheme whereby you know people could have paid days off and um, we had match funding for anyone who fundraised and uh, and then some of the people at the print works were extraordinary they had the idea of printing Ukrainian flags with a peace symbol and they were put in our local papers and so Ukrainians when they could walk around the streets could see that you know a bit like with the NHS rainbow um, there were flags of you know the Ukrainian flag with with doves on them and that felt really nice that was a win where everyone pulled together it was someone's brilliant idea and everyone just lent in and I think we made a difference and I think I always feel really excited when we managed to make a difference to and and in particular making a difference to people who are so disadvantaged What's the biggest? I'm going to start walking back now. I've also got Pity's sister who's trying to ring me, who probably doesn't understand where on earth I am because she left me in a room with lunch and I've suddenly left. Oh, well. Um, what's the biggest life lesson you've learnt in the last year? I think the importance of those I love. I love unconditionally and those I love mean the world to me, family and friends. And, and they help me through dark times and the first people I want to celebrate with in good times. And that was a big lesson. I think another lesson was I want to I want to work with people I respect and like I value I rate and I feel very lucky that I work for a company with a moral compass which I don't think is always the case for everyone and I think that became increasingly important in lockdown and Ukraine and at a time when we're going through you know cost of living crisis I think knowing that people around me have the right intent and we will lean in together um, means a lot. And the importance of sky. The last, the last two years I, I've needed to look up all the time. Also means I'm not looking at my phone, which is probably a good thing. But yeah, I need the sky. In its glory, with its clouds, grey, sun, blue. What's the biggest life lesson? What other life lessons? That we are, we are mortal. And one day it will happen to us. And I love playing with my godchildren. And they are that new generation with love and excitement. And I love the generation in their twenties at the moment who you know, are making us better by holding us to account and wanting to save the planet and, and you know, ESG, which is really important in terms of, you know, energy and values and corporate social responsibility. So yes, I think 
we have a finite time on this planet. What do we want to do with this time? Who do we want to do it with? How do we want to behave? How can we leave it better? And how can I be, I suppose, the best, the best of myself? And Pilly helps me be that person. Pilly often shows me the way or is the anchor that I need. Um, and, and she makes me happy every day. And yeah, I cherish that. I cherish her. So, yeah, that's, that's a big lesson. I know who's important. So my last, my last question, as I walk home, it's got a bit busier on the roads. It's a big crane in front of me, towering above everything else around. Oh, no, there's a second crane as well. Complete the following sentences. I feel I'm on a quiz show. I don't do very well with quizzes either, so this doesn't bode well. Uh, being healthy is dot, dot, dot. I've heard some wonderful answers. I think being healthy is a privilege. I think it's also a state of mind. My dad has always said that being healthy is a, is a big dose of good luck aligned to some discipline and some moderation. But being healthy is just pure happiness. I'm most me when dot dot dot. I'm most me when I am outdoors. And I'm most me when I'm with my loved ones. But I think I do believe as we as we as we get older and as we realize or I've realized what really matters and who matters. I am the same person at work as I am at home. There's only one of me. I bring the whole of me to work. And so I think I am most me now, more time or all the time than maybe ever before. And that's thanks to those I work with and to my friends and to my family. And I love what I do. And I actually love life and I am actually very happy. The best thing about my walk today has been, I have been under the sky. I have had a 45 minutes away from my laptop. I have discovered a little bit of London that I didn't know because I'm not near my home. 
So I had a, a park. I saw on Google Maps there was a park nearby, so I sort of headed towards there, but I didn't quite know what I would get. And it's really warm. The best thing about my walk today, yeah. I got my head out of budgets. That was nice. It's reminded me, or maybe highlighted, how much I love spring. Blossom, flowers, with a whole summer ahead. Longer days. Yeah, all to live for. What a joy to hear children playing in the park in the spring sunshine and whether your feet are taking you on a familiar route or you're following the path to somewhere new, our sponsor has a great selection of footwear to get you there. So before we get into Rebecca's answers, let's take a moment to hear from Skechers. Walk to Wellbeing is proudly sponsored by Skechers, the comfort technology company. Put a spring in your step with Skechers' range of comfort-boosting shoes, featuring the very latest walking technology. The new, lightweight, high-flex ArchFit range is designed to take great care of your feet, wherever your walk to wellbeing may take you. Over 20 years of data was used to create the amazing ArchFit cushioning insole, which provides complete foot and arch support. And now, you can add Skechers apparel to your walking wardrobe for ultimate all-day comfort. Shop the range online at sketchers.co.uk. That's S-K-E-C-H-E-R-S.co.uk, where you'll find thousands of shoes, boots, trainers, jackets, tops, leggings, activewear, and more to bring you and your family style and support with every step. So, as I said, for this special National Walking Month bonus episode of Walk to Wellbeing, I have a voice you already know joining me. Cami from our learning and development team at DC Thompson. That's our company, which Rebecca is CEO of, plus DC Thompson's head of podcasts, Chris. Hello, both. Hi there. Hey, hi, Danny. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Good. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me on while the rest of the team are busy making magazines. Well, thank you so much for joining us. What an incredible episode that was. I really, really enjoyed it. It was fab. And Cammy, can we make everyone in the company do one of these, please? Do you know what, Chris? I was thinking the exact same thing. That what an amazing thing that would be if if we did encourage everyone in the company just to head out and record their own unique story. Um, I'm fascinated by people's stories and I completely agree. This one was just so wonderful to listen to. But what was also crossing my mind as I was listening was just wow, can you imagine how much better an understanding we would have of one another? Yeah. And also how much more of a sense of community we would have within the company and our teams if actually we did all take 45 minutes and were brave enough uh, to record something like this for ourselves, but also for our colleagues. I absolutely loved it. I, I mean, the, the, the extent to which we would have fewer misunderstandings between colleagues. I mean, yes. so we're talking a kind of work context, right? Rebecca's our new chief exec. So we're kind of curious as as employees about what she's like. We don't really know her all that well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But just just getting closer to somebody and and hearing their authentic selves, as you say, it, it takes some courage to be as vulnerable as, as oh. Rebecca was and as our guests are. But to be so authentic, you know, 
for most people, I guess the role of a chief executive officer feels quite exotic and, and far off. And perhaps you have some views about their economic status and, you know, living in London, having floors redone, growing up in the mountains of Italy, talking about the community of Santiago and Galicia. That suggests a certain type of person. You have preconceptions. Well, I have preconceptions. One has preconceptions about what that sort of person might be. But then to hear that line, you know, being healthy is a privilege. Just even just that, that's that's somebody who understands and has has warmth and empathy for people. Yeah, absolutely. Those, you know, a couple of words that I really picked out there from you both with being brave and being vulnerable is um, incredibly scary, you know, and in like a professional sense, that is, that's really scary to reveal so much of yourself to, yeah, you know, um, professional colleagues and things like that. And yeah, you know, I suppose to, to flip this over on its head in our normal format, but Chris, just like you said, that line there at the end, being healthy is a privilege. Oh my goodness. That is just so... And that really, really speaks to me. I thought that was so, so powerful. Um, we've not, I don't mean to get too deep too soon, but um, recently there's um, been the tragic news that Deborah James is ending her terminal cancer care, um, who we've actually had the privilege of having on the podcast. And on her Instagram post, she said, you know, at the end, just enjoy life. And I just thought, oh my goodness, that really just, that just puts things into perspective for me. You know, those little things that you just, you just really don't need to worry about whatever it is. There's so much bigger things going on. So no, I thank you to Rebecca for just really, really putting that in, in the in the picture. And I, as well, I, so when we, when we put the the block of questions together for this show, um, we wanted to end on those fill in the blanks questions that you always worry when you come up with a, a sort of format point like that when you're making a, a podcast like this or or another piece of it, entertainment, I guess, you worry that the, the worst thing that's going to happen is everyone's going to say basically the same thing. It's going to be quite bland. You're not going to get really much in the way of inspiration from it. But every one of our guests has taken those three simple fill in the blanks uh, questions and taken them to somewhere I did not expect. Mm, yeah. um, and I always think quite, quite glibly. Sorry, so I, for people listening, I've been present for every episode recording, <laughs> but as producer, um, and every time I hear those those answers, I, I want to shout out with 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 my answers. Part of the problem is I'm um, I'm a bit silly sometimes, and so my glib answer to uh, being healthy is is hard. <laughs> it's just really really hard um, so for me. But hearing some honest and super engaged. Uh, thoughtful, thought-provoking answers from people for this have been I mean, such an absolute joy. And it's uh, very nerdily delightful for us who are putting this show together to see those simple things just going in such interesting ways. Cammy, what would you say to, to that question? I'm really curious. I mean, I'm asking on a day when you're recovering from COVID, so perhaps just would, <laughs> yeah. would be lovely. Thank, thanks for that, Chris. <laughs> yeah. <an> <laughs> Well, yes, and, and I'm going to sound, um, well, it won't quite sound quite so original and, and profound uh, now following Rebecca's amazing answers, but for me, it, it would be something very much along those lines. I I do view the the life that I lead and, and the health that I have and the amazing people that I have around me and everything else in my world as being the most enormous uh, mm. privilege. So it is something very much uh, along the lines of appreciation. And, and I guess for me, being healthy is being able to see 
what you actually have, being able to appreciate it, every moment of it, even the bits that are a bit crap, um, the bits that don't go quite so well, because of course they highlight the bits that do and make them all the richer. So for me, it's about balance, but it's also about being able to just be happy and recognize the wonder that you have, um, no matter what's going on around you, because mm. there's always something that feels valuable in every single day, even if it's the worst day ever. Um, it won't have been entirely awful. Someone or something will have just given you that little sense that that was something valuable and worthwhile. So for me, it's actually being able to recognize and um, celebrate mm. that for myself. And for those around me, that's what I try to encourage folks to do is to um, live lives where they can have that appreciation. Yeah. Yeah, it is it's such a good question, isn't it? And I do think, um, yeah, like you say, Cami, it's quite hard to um follow from uh, you know, all the incredible guests that we've had on in the past couple of couple of seasons. But yeah, gosh, being healthy is, Chris, like you say, totally, totally agree that it is hard it is hard to be healthy. You know, we are kind of <laughs> our world is not really geared up to make the best choices in terms of, you know moving in a way that is natural. So, and that's what I also really loved about um, Rebecca's first couple of answers um, where she was growing up. I love how it seemed as though um, everything was really geared around like getting from A to B. That seemed just like a really kind of a natural setup there, which was lovely. Um, but yeah, being healthy, being healthy is important. I do think it is just, it's absolutely fundamental to, you know, yeah, just having having a decent life, you know, um, physically and mentally. And, you know, totally like you say, Cammy, perhaps not getting too bogged down with the highs and the lows of life, because I think, you know, everything, everything is just a moment in time. I think you're gonna, you're gonna feel better or you're gonna feel worse than you do at this present moment. And, you know, things like that, they, they totally come and go. Um, but I suppose if you can have those, those, those little things and uh, that lay that groundwork that you can keep going with every day. And I think, I think that's how you can kind of make your, what being healthy is sustainable. Can I take us slightly into shallower um, emotional waters? Oh, please do. Please do. <laughs> um, with the point that um, <laughs> Rebecca was making about having a lot of outdoor meetings, especially in lockdown. Now I, mm. I, I will confess, I get very irritated at people sort of waxing nostalgic for lockdown because I think that was an incredibly traumatic time for a lot of us. And I really worry that we're not processing that time very well and that we aren't really uh, thinking about what that has meant for us and the sacrifices that have been made, even if we've been fortunate enough not to lose anyone in that time. But I will say that it reminded me when she was talking about those outdoor meetings that I went through a phase of taking my meetings on my phone on a tripod in the garden quite often in, uh, in lockdown, in the sort of harsher lockdowns. And I'd forgotten that. And actually the other day I was swiping back through my Instagram uh, posts and I'd seen a post I put up encouraging people to do it. And it reminded me that I just don't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. I just don't do it. I don't make the time to get up out of my chair, walk outside with my phone. Things I do it on a laptop, it's a pain and stuff, but I, I, I really recommend sticking your phone in a little tripod thing. You can walk around, stick some headphones in. Uh, and it, there definitely are things from that time that I that are better than the things we have now, but that I have let go. And so I'm going to, that's one of my action points from listening to Rebecca talk. I'm going to try and make time to do that again. How come you don't think you've made time for it anymore, Chris? I think 
there's the, the sheer uh, momentum of normality is such a huge force, I think. And once we get back, I mean, I, I, I at the moment, you're both at home for this recording. Uh, I'm back in our offices in Dundee, in our headquarters in Medicide in Dundee. Mm. And there is definitely, I, there are huge advantages to that. I've got kit around me. I've got space to record. I have my cycle back, which I've missed so much. I'm not a huge walker, but I'm a, a very keen cyclist for my commute. But once you start getting back into that uh, machinery, that cadence of what life was like before the pandemic, yeah. I think you forget about having to make conscious choices to make your life better because you just do the the, the things, right? Have there, have there been things for either of you that you've um, you've you realised you've stopped doing that were things that you had hoped you would keep going? Not so much stopped doing, but um, I was actually horrified um, how quickly, once I was back in the office, uh, I, I'm back in the office maybe a, a day or so, um, a week at the moment, but once I was back in the office, it was like all of that habitual set of behaviours that, that went with being in the office before literally just swallowed me up. Mm. And I was right back to doing exactly what I would have done in the past with, with a few minor adjustments. Obviously, I don't sit in the same place anymore um, and uh, don't have the same equipment, don't do the same kind of work. Um, when I'm in the office, I do very much try and be in the office to be in the office, not to be on Teams calls. That seems a little um, pointless to me. So I try and maximize being there to speak to people face to face yeah. in real life um, because that's why I want to be there and that's what makes me most productive. But I noticed things like not getting up from my desk mm. unless I was going to a meeting, not going out at lunchtime, which I always do at home. And that I was just so shocked by the sheer power of those well-embedded routines that literally took over the minute I walked back through the door again. It was like that switch went, ah, office, yeah. we know how to office. Um, so I agree with you, Chris. I think it's it's going to be an interesting time for all of us in terms of ensuring that whatever that means for us, our, our colleagues, our departments, the, the company as a whole, we're not losing some of that amazing stuff that that we did have to develop and learn over lockdown, which no doubt was extremely traumatic, but some good did come of it. Uh, and I think the real art for all of us uh, and the collective responsibility, I guess, for future generations is going to mm. be how do we weave the good stuff together with the other good stuff that came from being together and make sure we've got something even aw more awesome and amazing for the future in terms of what work is and what work looks like um because yeah we've got years and years of programming to override mm, totally i think um i think as humans we are incredibly um we have an incredible ability to adapt to what's going on around us and i do think that when um routines change so dramatically your list of priorities just get bumped down and down and down you know things come on top you know like commute or emails or you know being in the office it's just it's incredibly difficult and I think those that's when um you might just have to sorry one just has to take a step back and think well actually what what's important here is it important for me to wake up perhaps half an hour earlier to get outside before my day starts so you know to um, factor in that time of my commute or you know is it to now that now that um now that the weather's getting better okay is so when i get home instead of logging on straight away perhaps it's just taking a few moments to myself to whatever it might be i just think it's it's so so important 
for your own personal well-being um and then that should in turn hopefully help in other aspects of your life you know to be a better person for yourself for your family for for your employees everything i mean that was that's something that came up so clearly in the two series of what to well-being that we've done is that all of our maybe not all but certainly most of our guests have have said that thing about making sure that you are filled up you know you're running at, at your full capacity for empathy and joy and, and and love and everything else and fulfillment in order that you can be a better and i feel that an awful lot uh i struggle a lot with feeling that activities that i do for myself are things that are taking me away from being a husband and a dad and a colleague but I have to, I, I have to consciously tell myself, no, Chris, you, you, you have to spend time doing whatever's fun for you. Sometimes that's at work, sometimes that's uh, at home, in order that I'm not irascible <laughs> and <laughs> that I have capacity for joy and that I can be a better dad. I will say, actually, particularly we, we, we talked there about walking in the commute and stuff. I, I touched really briefly on, on having my cycle commute back. I live four miles from the office. And I haven't had that cycle since I've been working from home. And that time for me is, I have come to realize one of the most important things in my life is 18 minutes door to door uh, every single day. The traffic doesn't make a difference because I'm cycling. But it's time to spin up into work mode and to spin down from work mode. Now that, even that choice of direction is um, revealing <laughs> yeah. uh, and perhaps problematic, but I, I guess I'm, I, you know, I, I find it very challenging when I've been working from home to like step out from my home office. Again, very privileged to have a home office and be straight into home life. And yeah. just that sort of eighteen minutes to spin in and out of those those modes has, I had. If you'd asked me, I would have gone, yeah, fine, whatever. But uh, having experienced losing them, I realised how important those times are for me. Mm -hmm. I think that's why as well. It's so so important to appreciate those little things and I'm you know hearing you two talk about you know going back into the office and things like that and I yeah this is why I really want to be appreciative and grateful in all different kind of like areas of life you know being able to literally um I and I, I want to recognize as well how lucky I am you know I to work from home and okay, five o'clock comes if I want to carry on a for a little bit, if something needs doing, I don't need to be straight out of the office door for someone to lock up. However, if I choose to, five o'clock comes and I can start getting dinner on, you know, and I'm privileged. I don't, I don't have children. Um, I, I can, I suppose, be quite selfish in that respect. And so, yeah, I think having those little moments of, of gratitude are really, really important and being just self-aware that this could change at any moment and um yeah you have to make sacrifices like you say and um and deal with it in in the best way you can can i raise another thing that rebecca said that nobody else in our uh, recordings has ever picked up on she specifically said when asked about how she switches off sometimes she switches off with her phone mm -hmm. which i find incredibly um, empowering personally because i'm a tech guy for me, a lot of my life, my social life, as well as my professional life is mediated through technology. And I always get, I'm not suspicious or skeptical, but although it sounds like I'm about to be, but I, whenever people talk about, oh my God, a digital <laughs> detox, you know, switching all the phones, I, I, I get a little bit frustrated at how self-congratulatory, I guess, that consigned to me. Because when I switch off, you know, my wife and I will joke that we just want five minutes to stare at our phones. 
Yeah. Because there's so much nice stuff, whether it's, you know, a mindless game, Cordal, that Rebecca mentioned, mm -hmm. or whether it's, you know, just scrolling through your friends being hilarious on Twitter, or whether it's taking a few minutes just to type out uh, a few lines that help you journal and process stuff. Mm -hmm. But I, I was incredibly empowered by hearing Rebecca say, you know, my, my phone is not the devil. That's not what I'm switching off from. It's something that's a, a, a managed, conscious part of how I relax. Absolutely. And I think it was the fact that she understood, uh, as it sounds like you do, that, that the phone can either be your best friend, your ally, or, or it can be your worst nightmare. That The only difference is the relationship yes. that you have with it. And if your relationship with your phone is, is, a, is a healthy one that's bringing you happiness and balance and joy, well, where's the problem? It's, I guess, if, if it's not, you know, if, it, if it's actually draining you um, and it's adding stress and, and all of that, then obviously there it's not your ally there it's something else entirely so it's about exploring the relationship we have I think with our technology with our devices um, because we have a relationship with those in much the same way as we have a relationship with with, with other people since it connects us with people yes it's a, a piece of kit um, but it connects us uh, with with other people it we get hormonal reactions to our phones that, that are exactly the same as if we were talking to other people so it's slightly more complex than phones are the devil and <laughs> No phones is hooray, uh, awesome. I think it's it's much more subtle and complex than that. Uh, and so, yeah, I would absolutely agree. It was it was lovely to hear Rebecca talking about the careful management of that relationship in such a way as she was comfortable and happy with it. Therefore, she didn't need to get rid of it. She would just perhaps use it in a slightly different mm. way and and recognize whereabouts she was in her own process to know what she needed at that moment in time. And just as you were talking, it was reminding me of that wonderful thing that she said. It was just sometimes it's just wonderful to enjoy one another's silences, you know, whether we're reading on a phone or anything else for that matter, or we're we're just quietly watching television or we're just still and quiet together, that those can be some of the most wonderful moments. And we don't necessarily need to be doing anything at all, just simply being. And to me, it felt like that's something that Rebecca really understands and, and has as, as part of her her every day, um, which really feels like it brings a huge amount to her. And and, and to take that on as well, one of the things you said that was, it was super resonant for me was on the question about how does she combat her triggers when she gets stressed? And I guess a lot of people have a reaction to that question, which is, you know, what are the practical steps I take to lower my cortisol, to ensure more equilibrium in my sort of brain chemistry? But one of the, and she, and she did a bit of that as well, but she also said, it's to try, try and identify why I'm stressed. Mm. And that self-reflection is, is so important. But one of the things I wanted to pick up on that is it can be, um, some of the answers as to why you're stressed are not always flattering to yourself. I find this a lot if I get snappy with my family or with colleagues. You've never seen me get snappy, have you, either of you? Um, no, never. That good? Yep, that, that answer came. <laughs> there's a delay in the recording there. I don't know what happened. Yeah, you can pay me later, Chris. <laughs> um, but whenever I get snappy and I, and I reflect afterwards as to why, there's often not nice things to be found there. And I'm trying to deal with those and process them a little bit. But I, but I, I think it's incredibly important that uh, you, at least to yourself, <laughs> you can admit <laughs> as to what these black things are that are causing you to be uh, an unpleasant uh, colleague 
or to be an unsupportive spouse or parent or friend or carer or whatever it happens to be because there's sometimes some pretty slimy things down there oh absolutely 100 percent. and i kind of sighed with the relief when rebecca said um i find people stressful and i was like (laughs) yeah same (laughs) um but uh, no, I love, like you said, Chris, I love how um, she just seems like a very um, self-aware person anyway. But yeah, how she kind of thinks, okay, well, what's what's triggering me right now? Um, why, is, why are they triggering me like that at the moment? And I think, well, I really find that as well. When I do a little bit of digging, you know, whether that is um, on a walk, um, plugged in, by the way, to my phone, listening to a podcast, mm-hmm. Um you know, I kind of need when I and I when I find out, oh, okay, well, someone said that to me today, or you know, so and so did this, and this is how I'm feeling. My way to kind of de stress, I suppose, is to actually like confide in that person. And what does that sound like, Danny? I think it's just, well, it's. It's something that I'm definitely trying to work on, but it's something that definitely is beneficial in the long run. So one one person who comes to mind who uh, stresses me out sometimes is my boyfriend. And so, but, you know, we've had this conversation in the past where he said, you know what, I'd rather you just be up front with me. And, you know, if I ask you if there's anything wrong, not for you to be like, no, nothing's, you know, everything's absolutely fine. Just put it all out on the table. And that is a little bit sticky sometimes, you know, I'm like Rebecca, I hate conflict. And so, but it is just better to kind of like get it all out in the open and we can kind of like understand each other a little bit better and yeah, like really strengthen those those relationships. She said too as well, um, and I recognize this as well, that that sort of constant desire for challenge and novelty and, and uh, interest and texture in your days, but then also almost as an aside as she was sort of leaving the question, <laughs> wait a couple of days not challenged. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, whether there's um yeah, life life is um is full of challenges, isn't it? Um, yes, I also loved when uh, a total common thread as well for a lot of our guests was being outside is just such a tonic for those everyday challenges and stresses, and um, loved how much she valued the sky, you know. Mm. That, and I think being in nature is such a leveler, isn't it? You know, getting outside, um, it really really gives me some perspective. That's for sure, and. Um, trying to really understand other people and how they work. There's this thing that I've heard recently and it's kind of helped me when I don't really understand someone's decisions or maybe their views. I try and just take a step back and think, you know, if I was that person that I would, I'd be doing exactly the same thing. So I think it's quite easy to think, oh, there's no way I'd do that. But actually... Mm. It's a really good exercise, I think, to when when somebody does something that just seems they, they seem like a unpleasant person, shall we say, in front of you. Uh, it's quite a good exercise to conjure up a scenario in your head. Doesn't matter how preposterous it is, but what is a plausible scenario or even implausible scenario that would get them to that place that means they're a good person? What what steps could have led to them seeing that, doing that, that is is reasonable? And even if the answer is preposterous, even if the even if you're really struggling to come up with a reasonable scenario, that can often be a, um, I find for myself when I'm dealing in those situations, it can be a, a thing that can help me, and it's a purely selfish thing, neutralize my anger and frustration. And the response that I come up with, you know, the reason for that person saying that thing, doing that thing, acting like that, it doesn't matter whether I'm right or wrong, but I've got myself to a position where uh, I can at least see a scenario in which 
this person has not one-dimensionally been unpleasant, but they have gotten to that place um, from whatever internally consistent thing. Now, I'm also really conscious in, in these conversations for what to well-being and elsewhere. How how great do I sound, right? <laughs> I sound like I've really got myself together. And there, for every occasion when I think to do that, there will be two or three or five occasions where I just get pissed off. Mm. But I know that if I make that effort, it helps me. And it's not about trying to be a, a better person per se. It's a purely selfish thing. I don't particularly want that cortisol coursing around my system. I want to get back to a more equanimous state. That's not a word. It is now. Um, balanced state. Mm-hmm. And so doing that helps me in that process. I'm sure that's something you talk a lot about as well, Cami. Absolutely. And I forget where I heard it. It was a long time ago now, but I have used it ever since. It's um, words of wisdom that were, everybody makes perfect sense in their own reality. Yeah. And in my experience, this is absolutely true. So if I'm ever sort of having a reaction to somebody or something someone is saying, and please believe me, this happens frequently, <laughs> um, I will use that uh, as that warning. That's the trigger to say, okay, what exactly is it that you've missed or don't understand about this person and where they're coming from that would make sense of this particular situation? Um, and of course, once I get there, I'm like, well, what do you need to do to understand that? Well, I need to ask better questions and I need to listen and I need to shut down that voice in my head that's basically going, well, that's a load of rubbish. You're wrong. I'm right. And so on and so on. I need to uh, calm that down, you know, acknowledge the fact that, yes, I know what I think, but cl- clearly <laughs> I'm missing well something me. here. Yes, um, <laughs> yes, well done. I'm so clever. Um, so that I can move myself out of the way and make enough room for someone else to then actually join that's that conversation and, and for me to genuinely listen to them rather than pretending to listen to them, nodding sagely and then going, no, but you're wrong. Um, And of course, I mean, I'm a human being. I mess it up all the time. But when I remember, just like you're saying, Chris, it's when I remember, when I notice those triggers, just exactly like Rebecca was talking about, when she notices perhaps she's not quite so um, tolerant as before, she's feeling a little bit more snappy. That's that moment where you want to go, ah, what's going on here? But interestingly, you talk about t- uh, being more tolerant. And one of the interesting things, so uh, Danny is disgustingly young, Cami, you and I are of our, another generation. Um, <laughs> I feel that there's something that happens as you, as I've gotten older, certainly, talking about my own experience, where I've become slightly less tolerant, not of, um, of other people. I, I hope I've become more tolerant and caring and understanding of other people. But I I loved the line and there was a, a smile in her voice as she said it when Rebecca said, I want to work with people I respect and like. <laughs> and I thought that was such a good line because that's so true. Like there can be the most, I as recently as five or six years ago when I started working for DC Thompson, I remember having a conversation with a colleague about a particularly obstreperous photographer we used to work with. And I remember saying, but he gets good results. And in that time, I've distanced myself from that view <laughs> because I think, given the choice between two brilliant photographers in this case, one of whom is a pain to work with and one of whom is uh, a joy to work with, I'm going to choose the latter every time because there's no particular, there's no correlation between talent and obstreperousness. <laughs> and we've got to find, we've, I, I have become less tolerant of of um, uh, people who don't make an effort to work collegiately, I guess, is the polite way of saying it. Mm-hmm. And I wonder whether, Chris, it's something to do with the fact that perhaps as we get a little older, um, we maybe just become a little bit clearer about what our values are. Yes. And, you know, um, 
what really matters to us in life. Maybe maybe it's something around that. I mean, I was the most opinionated. Oh, Lord. I kind of think back to my younger self and think, oh, geez, what a pain in the ass she was. <laughs> geez. I just so, so, so opinionated and so happy to tell people what my opinions were. Isn't that so hard to believe, Daniela? Because we, we've only known Cammy <laughs> in recent years and she's yeah, one absolutely. of the most warm and g- g- glorious people we know. But to hear that 100%. about younger Cammy is hard to <laughs> stomach. Oh, Yeah. Not that, not that a lot of people would have known, because I was also uh, painfully uh, shy and uh, sort of wouldn't really have gone out of my way to speak to people that I didn't know because I didn't have the confidence. But if you did know me, then <laughs> yes, you would be left in no doubt whatsoever as to what I thought uh, about various things. And um, I think part of that maturing journey has actually been, um, dare I say it, being confident enough in who I am and, and what I believe in and what I'm trying to add, uh, loving that comment that Rebecca made about me and what are you doing to make the world a better mm. place, that I could let go of my need to be right. Mm. And again, I'm not there. I will frequently back myself into the I am right corner, but less so than I did before. And that as I've learned to do that, and I'm holding on to the need to be right less and less, suddenly the rest of everything else just becomes so much more interesting and I can be in more interesting conversations. And actually, sometimes I can let go of needing to really have a strong opinion at all and just listen, which all of which, of course, helps round you and make you wiser and you hear more and you learn more. And I I just thought it's a fascinating process of going from this opinionated right person Mm. uh, to someone who's less less concerned about that not not concerned about that it does still matter but it's less of a pressing concern as my confidence in self mm. has grown to the point where it's like well actually it doesn't really matter if i'm wrong or perhaps if i hold a slightly different perspective to someone else that's okay i don't need to be right sometimes i would like to be heard and i would most assuredly like to be understood but yeah. i don't need to be the right one here uh, that opens all these doors to these amazing conversations but i do think it's a journey you have to undertake. And so maybe it does come with slightly increased age. (laughs) This is the thing is that this is why I love this podcast because it is so, some of the questions are so thought provoking. And like you say, Cammy, it's part of the journey, but doing that work inward is really hard. And that's why people shy away from it. And, but also this is why I love the podcast as well, because it gives people an opportunity to think, ah, okay, just just to have a little rummage around in those little areas that you know, they might not kind of be faced with all the time. And I think, yes, as Chris pointed out, um, I am a little bit younger, but I think as you grow and develop as a person, you do just like so many things come with age. Like, and I also try to like, as you, I suppose, as you like get up the career ladder a little bit higher, like I really love to kind of absorb all the information from the different people who I who I work with and you know the lovely Holly who is the regular host for Waltz Wellbeing and she's my first ever editor I always try and think in some situations oh how would how would Holly deal with this yeah. or um what would Holly do or how would she oh. how would she respond to something like that yeah I think it's just I love like learning learning different things from different people and absorbing that kind of that kind of information and um yeah hopefully getting to, to to be a better person. I think if you don't, um, in some senses, despise the person you were 10 years ago, that's evidence that you haven't grown as a person. <laughs> so true, so <laughs> that true. That's a good way of, or an interesting way of looking at it, Chris. <laughs> Makes me feel somewhat yeah, better. Yeah, absolutely. If you, don't, if you don't cringe at like your old self, I think like Chris said, it shows that you haven't, you haven't grown and developed. I think it's only a good thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm just so glad there's no recordings or anything that would, would prove this. I would be invisible. <laughs> no internet presence. No one else knows except my family. <laughs> okay, so what would we like to take away from Rebecca's walk? There's a bit towards the end where the thing happened that I always hope happens in every single episode of every single podcast that DC Thompson makes when it records, which is the hair goes up in the back of my neck. And I, I, like, it's an exaggeration to say I cried, but certainly there, there's that sort of you know, physiological reaction and the eyes got a bit moist where Rebecca said, I am most me now. Mm. And I thought that was such a phenomenally powerful thing to say. I have become the ultimate expression of myself. And tomorrow I will be more me. She didn't say this, but that's what I'm saying. Tomorrow I'll be more me still because I will know myself better. I will have tried to work on myself. I will have tried to be a, a better support and colleague and parent and everything else I've just said before. But right now, right here today, this is the most me I've ever been. And I'm the most comfortable with myself I've ever been. And so the thing I'm taking away from Rebecca's walk is, well, first, uh, I know my chief exec much better than I did before this process. But second, it's not a practical thing, which is what we usually try to end on from, from these uh, walks. We try to take away practical tips we're going to put into practice in our lives. Mm. But mine is a, a celebration. It's an affirmation. And it's a, a sense of joy and purpose in the work you've done to get you to this point in your life. And I thought that was deeply powerful. And I'm so grateful to Rebecca for taking the time. Yeah, I would completely second that, Chris. It was it was just so wonderful uh, to hear. And I'm going to extend that ever so slightly and say that what I'm taking away is Rebecca's comment that life is short and that we are all mortal. And that rather than that being a bad news and, oh dear, what a terrible thing, instead, again, evoking that, that joy of, okay, so we have one life to lead. What do we want to do with it? Who do we want to be? What do we want to value? Who do we want to spend this so precious time with? And I suppose, crucially, what can we do day by day, little things, to make sure that we're leaving um, the world uh, better when we do finally disappear, but every day that we're investing something into making the world a better place um, for those around us and ourselves. Very nice, both of you. I am going to come full circle, um, if that's okay, and just, yeah, just really express my thanks and appreciation to Rebecca for giving her answer of being healthy is a privilege, yeah, and yeah. I totally agree. Uh, you know, being able to live our lives and be surrounded by people who we love and get those little moments of joy that make up make up our lives and our well-being. Yeah. But I've loved chatting to you all today. So a huge thanks from me to you, Chris and Cammy, and of course, to our incredibly vulnerable and honest guest, Rebecca Miskin. Most important of all though, thanks so much to you for listening. If this is the first time you've joined us, there are plenty more episodes you can subscribe to and download. But if you've been with us from the beginning, thank you so much for coming with us and our fabulous guests on their walk to wellbeing. And so, until we meet again soon for season three, from me and the whole of the health and wellbeing team, stay well and see you soon. Before you unlace your trainers, we've got an exclusive health and wellbeing magazine subscription deal for you, our lovely Walk to Wellbeing listeners. Head to giftstoyou.com forward slash apod2, that's A-P-O-D and the number two, to get three issues for just $9.99, saving you over 25% and delivered straight through your front door too. 
The link is in the description of this episode to make redeeming this fantastic offer simple and easy. Remember to share your walk with us on social media using the hashtag walk to wellbeing and you can even download exactly the same list of questions you heard our guest chat through earlier in the episode. You could record your very own walk to wellbeing episode and we'd absolutely love to hear it. For all the details, head to this episode's description and we hope you enjoyed strolling with us today.